Lisa Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Ed Couch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, livestock disaster assistance is coming. That announcement was made at last week's cattle industry convention in Houston. We'll have more details on the Livestock Disaster Assistance Program coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you're a Texas High Plains cattle raiser, is adding sheep or goats to your operation something to consider? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you more of what an area rancher has to say. Texas Coastal Bend farmers have concerns about soil moisture as planting season nears. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from one of the region's farmers on Texas Ag Today. Many Texas soils are acid soils, that is, the soil pH is less than 7. Soil acidity is caused by various environmental, climatic, and cultural factors. We will talk about why soil pH is critical for forage production. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Assistance for farmers and ranchers affected by weather-related disasters in 2020 and 2021 will be sent out soon. $10 billion, $750 million of it intended for livestock producers. That's USDA Undersecretary Robert Bonney at last week's Cattle Industry Convention in Houston. He says the aid will be rolled out with ease of application in mind. We're going to take as much existing data as we can from the Livestock Forage Program, from other programs in the case of crops, crop insurance, NAP, other things, use that data in order to distribute those funds. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the aid will come in two phases, with the first one beginning next month. In the first phase of the Livestock Assistance Program, we're going to base the payments on existing LFP application data. Now, what that means is we can streamline the application process to require no or minimal additional paperwork from producers. And our goal is to distribute at least half and probably more than half of the $750 million through the first phase of this program by the end of March 2022. You can find more information on the disaster aid at Farmers.gov. The price for Texas wool is the highest it's been in eight years. Despite lower wool production and lighter average fleece weights, the total value of Texas wool production grew in 2021. 
According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 160,000 sheep and lambs were sheared in Texas last year. That's down 11% from the year prior. More than 1.1 million pounds of wool were produced in Texas last year. That is 12% lower than 2020. The average fleece weight was lower as well at 7.4 pounds. But the price paid for wool did increase last year. Texas wool averaged $2.30 per pound in 2021. That is up 28% from 2020. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The weekly Texas wheat crop ratings are out, and they don't really look any better than they did last week. None of our crop is rated excellent, only 9% rated good, 20% is rated fair, and 71% of the Texas wheat crop rated poor to very poor. And it all comes down to a lack of rainfall. Arthur Uhl is with the Powell Ranches in San Angelo. He says their wheat crop was fortunate to get a rain after planting, but it really needs more now. Our winter wheat came up early enough back when we did have some pretty good moisture, so we in the San Angelo area are in, you know, are in decent shape but it always needs to rain. Hopefully next week's ratings will reflect the precipitation we received with snow and ice during winter storm Landon. Texas is the largest sheep and goat producing state in the nation, but should more cattle producers consider adding sheep and goats to their beef operation? James Hunt takes a look at that question from the Texas High Plains. As we talked about yesterday, Dalhart area rancher Clint Holting began his career with a small goat operation before switching over to what is now a pretty good-sized cow-calf herd. But last summer, he had an opportunity to again work with small ruminants. I custom grazed a thousand sheep for a producer out of Colorado. He had been running on forest service in the summer months, and I think the red tape was just getting too much, so... He brought the ewes and lambs down, and we custom grazed them for six months, which worked real well. Well enough for both parties that the sheep owner will be sending animals back to Holting's operation this summer. A multi-species arrangement is something Holting encourages others to consider, as it offers benefits both on the income side and with the way having species with different grazing preferences helps with range management, as in sheep will eat weeds. Studies say you can run two sheep to every cow without affecting the cow herd's grazing. I'd say it depends more on what's out there. I know when we brought the thousand sheep in this summer, I was worried that we were going to run out of grazing for them, and the truth is we didn't have near enough sheep. You know, there's a lot of things out there with grazing management where they're adding water lines and fencing and doing rotations with the idea that it'll improve the grass and that will improve their carrying capacity and thus increase their revenue. But multiple species can do that in pretty short work. And I always think, too, this prairie up here did not evolve under a single species. And now a lot of us are trying to manage it under a single species. If you want to try a multi-species arrangement, Holting says a couple things to prepare for are sheep and goats can be more labor-intensive than cattle, and there's not a lot of land in our area that is properly fenced for small ruminants. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Coastal Bend is usually one of the wettest areas of the state, but even that part of Texas is struggling for moisture right now. Tom Nicoletti checks in with one Coastal Bend farmer who's getting ready to roll the planters. 
We go to San Patricio County, and farmer Troy Ned Bollock is joining us to uh, talk more about uh, uh, the need for more precipitation in his region of the state as farmers uh, in that part of Texas, uh, Troy, are about uh, very soon to start their planting of corn, but they need more moisture. Talk about the issue. Yes, sir. We've had a relatively dry winter, are looking for more moisture to get ready to plant. Our corn farmers are in the process of taking planters to the field possibly next week. There may be some going to the field this week. Our weather conditions are relatively warm now and look to be warm for a couple of days anyway. But our moisture conditions are definitely depleted from normal. We have had some cold fronts that have come in with some moisture. And just recently, the last cold spell that came through, we did get some good rain along the coast. But as you moved inland, that dropped down to just tenths of an inch, and that was not enough to put us in shape. We do have not substantial but relatively decent underground moisture, so I think we will be able to plant the crop and get it to come up, but it's not going to be perfect planting conditions by any means right now. The corn farmers have the advantage of planting a lot deeper than the grain and and cotton is planted, so they can go down after that moisture without quite as much risk of a, I'll say, crop injury because they normally plant that deep in the ground and we're looking for stuff in the top two inches to be in good shape or else we're going to have to set our barring off disc down and go after the moisture and that's not the best condition in the world. That is Coastal Bend farmer Troy Nedbalek. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Soil pH is critical for forage production in Texas. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has more. Soil acidity reduces plant nutrient availability and increases aluminum and manganese toxicities. As pH drops below 5.5, the concentration of soluble aluminum increases and becomes toxic to plant root growth. Below pH 5.2, the concentration of manganese also increases and can become toxic. Optimum nutrient uptake by most crops occurs at a soil pH near 7. Some plants are more sensitive to acid soil conditions than others. It is important to understand which species are more sensitive to soil acidity so limestone inputs may be made at the appropriate time. For specific crop recommendations, contact your local county extension agent. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. A new study tells us more about how white-tailed deer are able to contract and even spread the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And you must know a calf's vital signs to know if that calf is actually sick. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week coming up March 21st through the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. 
Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then, submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You must know a calf's vital signs to know if that calf is actually sick. Dr. Bob Judd says finding those vital signs can be challenging. Sometimes it is hard to tell if a calf is sick or not. The calf may be lying down and not wanting to rise initially, but may get up and run off when you approach, making you think the calf is okay. Maureen Hansen indicates at Bovine Veterinarian that cattle are a prey species and they do their best to not look vulnerable or sick. Dr. Jillian Boland with the University of Georgia Dairy Extension Service indicates that to determine if a calf is sick, you must know the normal parameters. A calf's normal temperature is 100 to 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit and can be checked using a regular digital rectal thermometer purchased at any pharmacy. You do want to make sure the tip of the thermometer is touching the inner lining of the rectum to get an accurate reading, so angle the tip upward or toward the side for good contact. The heart rate is another parameter that is important and the heart rate or pulse of a young calf is twice that of an adult cow with the normal heart rate of calves being 100 to 140 per minute. An irregular heartbeat can indicate a problem and this and the heart rate can be determined with an inexpensive stethoscope placed on the chest wall just behind the elbow. Respiratory rate is also important and should be 36 to 60 breaths per minute in a young calf. Realize excitement can increase both heart and respiratory rates, so ideally these would be checked when the calf is resting if possible. Using a stethoscope requires practice, so listening to sick calves and healthy calves is required to learn the difference. Crackling or wheezing indicates some type of lung issue. Calves may have a high respiratory rate if the heat and humidity are high and not be sick, but the lungs should sound normal. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new study tells us more about how white-tailed deer are able to contract and possibly spread COVID-19. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. We now know more about how the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans can impact white-tailed deer. Dr. Walter Cook, clinical associate professor at Texas A&M University's College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences and a co-author of the study, said the study at A&M confirmed that white-tailed deer typically do not get symptoms of SARS-CoV-2, but are easily able to contract and transmit the disease. One of the deer breeding facilities that I was working with, the owner and manager had come down with COVID. And so we thought, well, if there's ever going to be deer that get infected, those would be the ones. And so we were very curious to look specifically at that breeding facility as well as a couple others that one that we thought may have had some potential exposure and another we were pretty sure didn't. We found that in one of them, we had high levels of seroprevalence. It's 94% were seropositive for the SARS-CoV-2 in this one facility. At the other two facilities, we did not find any evidence of infection. 
Dr. Cook said the evidence seems to indicate the virus went from humans initially to deer and then from deer to other deer. And the reason that we have that speculation is because the humans were positive first and then there was a subgroup of deer that the, the humans had close contact with, where they physically handled them, became positive. But then some other deer that just had fence line contact with those deer that had been handled but did not have human contact subsequently also became seropositive. So that would be strongly suggestive that they got, got it from the deer that they shared the fence line with. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. You usually don't see a higher cattle market on days when the corn market is sharply higher, but that's exactly what we saw on Wednesday. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a higher close in the cattle complex on Wednesday. That's a bit unusual when you see that big run-up in corn prices that we had. We'll check on those corn prices in just a moment, but suffice it to say, they were sharply higher. And we had a higher cattle close. We'll take it. February live cattle up 92 cents at 142.90. The April up $1.65, 147.82. June live cattle up $1.22 at 142.47. March feeder cattle up a dollar forty one sixty eight twenty seven. April feeders up eighty cents at one seventy two fifty seven. The May up eighty two cents at one seventy six seventy two. Cash fed cattle market seeing some light trade on Wednesday. When you look up north, we've seen live sales range from one thirty eight to one forty one. That's mostly steady market. In the south, only one small group reported sold for one thirty eight. That's a buck lower than last week. It looks like the Feedlots are holding firm. Asking prices right now are 140 to 142. The online fed cattle exchange sold Wednesday, but none of the cattle sold on the exchange. Boxed beef prices were lower. Choice down a dollar eleven, two seventy six thirty five. Select down seventy eight cents at two seventy three oh six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We had cattle in the alleyway in Three Rivers at Live Oak Livestock on Monday. Good sale. Riley Rhodes, describe the action for us. Uh, market's still pretty good. Larry uh, ended up with a few more than what we thought. Um, ended up with 1,382 head today. Uh, some cow calf pairs brought from 925 up to 1525. Some uh, bred cows from 750 to 1200. The packer cows sold uh, pretty much steady money, 78 to 84 on your high yielding cows, 68 to 78 on your breakers, 32 to 62 on your canners. Packer bulls, 98 to $1.06 on your high yielding bulls, 84 to 98 on your low to medium yielding bulls. Two to three weight choice steers, 182 to 204. Heifer mates, 160 to 178. 
Three to four weight choice deers, 176 to two dollars. Heifer mates, 146 to 168. Four to five weight choice deers, 176 to 196. Heifer mates, 144 to 164. Five to six weight choice deers, 164 to 182. Heifer mates, 134 to 150. Uh, six to seven weight choice deers, 148 to 164. Heifer mates, 130 to 142. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice deers, 130 to 144. Heifer mates, 120 to 134. So pleased with it. Um, had some you know pretty decent volume uh, considering the weather we had last week. And uh, uh, so uh, was pleased with it. Had a good market today. Good. Do you know of anything for this next go-round? I do. Uh, I'm going to have another couple loads of those wean calves uh, that are wean yearlings are going to be here, and then another set of about 150 Charlotte calves, uh, Charlotte cross, that are going to be here next week. Uh, so especially, you know, probably another 1,200 or something like that for next week. Tell everybody how to contact you, Riley. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Neighbor? I'm Larry Marble in Deep South Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. The hog market was mixed Wednesday. February lean hogs down 10 cents at 90.22. The April contract up 97 at 104.77. Class 3 milk was mixed. February milk unchanged, 20.69. March milk up 47 at 22.15 a hundredweight. The cotton market was lower on the nearby contracts, higher on the deferreds. USDA released its latest monthly supply and demand report on Wednesday morning. U.S. cotton stocks increasing in that report by 300,000 bales, but global stocks declined by 700,000 bales. We ended up closing March down 72 points at 126.43. October cotton down 115 points, 108.45. December cotton up 26 at 105.61. We mentioned the corn market earlier. We saw a double-digit jump in corn prices on Wednesday, especially on the old crop contracts. That coming as a result of that USDA supply and demand report where they made cuts to South American corn production. That caused March corn to jump 14.5 to close at 6.46 and three quarters. New crop September corn now above six dollars. It was up five and three quarters, closing at six oh one and a half. The wheat market closed strongly higher despite the fact that the USDA report was actually somewhat bearish. USDA increased its estimate of US ending wheat stocks from six hundred twenty eight million bushels up to 648 million bushels. However, world ending wheat stocks slipped. 279.95 million metric tons down to 278, just a slight reduction. We closed with July Kansas City wheat up 12 cents, 8.18 and a half. July Chicago wheat up nine at 7.86 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas down 25 at 3.99. March crude oil up 13 cents, 89.49 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 300 points at 35,792. The Nasdaq up 289 at 14,483. The S&P up 67 points, 4,588. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.